is going on guys welcome to creeps in the crypt as always i am eric and i am joined by christian and sam guys this is it this is the the last hurrah for summer no, of slaughter final dude <laughs> but i couldn't think of a better killer to end summer of slaughter to transition to spooky season with there's there's really not one um you got a lot of skin in the game on this one. <laughs> <laughs> we really do. This is our, I like that. Uh, that <laughs> I was, see what you did there. That's okay, good buddy. shit. You know who else had a lot of skin? <laughs> Ed Gein. Ed Gein. <laughs> but before we get into Ed Gein, guys, I just want to thank all of you for downloading the show and sharing the show, and please continue to do so. Um, it makes us very happy. Yeah, uh, I, like I'm it. happy every day when I look at how many downloads we have. You guys rock. Um, so thank you for that. And we got big plans for spooky season this year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Yeah, I am pretty I fucking hyped. I'm so excited. Did you really feel it today when there was uh, your favorite ingredient was back? Yes. Um, so I kind of. I wore my pumpkin earrings today. I'm wearing my orange shirt right now because it is officially pumpkin spice season, which makes it now officially spooky season. Pumpkin everything. Pumpkin everything. I had a pumpkin donut today and a pumpkin iced coffee. It was great. I am a basic white bitch and I I do not care. I am also a basic white bitch. He saw his shadow and then it means summer is over. Fall. Yep. I'm here for it. <laughs> now if the weather now if the weather outside could reflect Right, um, we live in the fucking south. It's never, I, it's never gonna get in line with it. I would literally kill you were for it to be seventy year round with no humidity. That would be oh my god, that would be fucking amazing. Oh, just so. Eric good. is a fifty to seventy degree slut. Mm, yeah, and I would say sixty to seventy eight. I could deal with 78. I like 50. 50's nice. If summer was like 78 and then it just got down to like 60 in the wintertime, I'd be fucking A-OK. Uh, but see, I like the, like, the... Ooh. Same. Fuck that. I don't, I don't care about 50 that. 50 to 75 is my happy zone. Mm. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. 50 to 75. Now, the place where we're covering today is uh, a cold, bleak hellscape. That I would never want to live in. No. Is it in Russia? I, I, and I love cheese, but I could never live in cheese country. I'm, I'm just not, I'm not cut out for it. I hate the snow. Mm-hmm. Fucking hate it. Oh, I like you. looking at the snow. Like I sit in my chair in my warm house with like hot cocoa mm-hmm. or something. And I look out the window and it's just snowing. I like that. Yeah, but then when it's piled up into black sludge on the side of the road, it's, I don't like that. Yeah, no, that's not very aesthetically pleasing. No, it's yeah. it's just a pain in the ass. Yeah. But without further ado, let's not hold these people up any longer, um, and let's get into part one of Ed Gein. What some may not know, and I promise we won't judge if you didn't know this already, but that our topic these next two weeks are the inspiration behind Norman Bates of Psycho, Texas Chainsaw Massacre's Leatherface, The Silence of the Lambs' Buffalo Bill, one of my all-time favorite movies. Was uh, was she a great big fat person? Oh, my God. 
You want, puts, you, you want to see me tuck my dick between my legs and do a pee-pee dance? It puts the lotion on the skin or it gets the hose again. I mean, this is... I fucking love gotcha. This has inspired so much horror. Yeah. Uh, Deranged is also another movie. In the Light of the Moon and Bloody Face in American Horror Story Asylum was also inspired by Ed Gein. I feel like In the Light of the Moon is a very fitting title, um, considering mm-hmm. what's going to happen in episode two. I mean, considering he was the inspiration for the movie In the Light of the Moon, I'm pretty sure that's why they named it In the Light of the Moon. Uh, that's good. That's good stuff. I mean, I yeah. still my my favorite is Buffalo Bill. Um, I jammed to Goodbye Horses on my way home from work, <laughs> just just to get like mentally prepared for this episode. Chapstick and all. Yeah, I, I had my Burt's Bees, and I was, looked in my rear view, and I was like, "Would you fuck me? I'd fuck me. I'd fuck me hard." Oh fuck! Everybody on seventeen. Fuck. <laughs> for everyone who did know that, we are in fact covering Ed Gein, aka the Butcher of Plainfield or the Plainfield Ghoul who is arguably not a serial killer by FBI standards, but just as twisted as most of the ones we've talked about on this season of Summer of Slaughter. I feel like with where we go with this story, I think he earns his place. Yeah, but see, a serial killer by FBI definition is three or more in like a three-month span. Or five total. Yeah. And he... Spoiler alert, only killed two people. Confessed to two. Or linked to two. There may or may not be a third victim. Allegedly. Allegedly. Well, I mean. Allegedly. There's good credence for him killing another person. Good indicators. Like, you know. There's no evidence. Who's to say? There's no evidence. So we're going to kind of set the scene of Plainfield, Wisconsin in the 1950s via... Hold on. Let me, let me take a guess. Was it a plain field? Uh, yeah. How did you know? Well, you know, uh, context clues. You're very good at people. I know. Can't get anything past you, bud. No, not at all. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to take an excerpt of Harold Schechter's deviant very good book by the way says quote the grass looks parched the sky even on a perfect spring day dress presses down on you and the soil is a faded pink the same sickly color that the makers of children's crayons used to call flesh to some wisconsinites this flat and infertile section of the state is known as sand country others have called it Wisconsin's Great Dead Heart. The town of Plainfield truly embodied Wisconsin's little tagline of Great Dead Heart. Well, that's not just off-putting as a place in in general. No, not at all. Uh, it's no wonder why the population there at the time was like 600. Yeah. I was stuck there. Pretty sure there wasn't a way for them to leave. Probably. I mean, or they were too afraid to leave to venture out and mm. so stuck in their ways. It's Maybe. Personal hell. Well, that's a little foreshadowy. 
Edward Theodore Gein was born on August 27th, 1906 in La Crosse, Washington. Why did I almost say Washington? I don't know. I mean, Washington's a... You fucking wrote the notes, dude. I know. The... (laughs) Washington's also a melting pot of serial killers. Yeah. So, Wisconsin, not Washington. I'm fine. His mother, Augusta... She was described as a, quote, thick-set and buxom woman with a broad, coarse-featured face permanently fixed in a look of fierce determination and complete self-assurance, which, okay. Some people described her as a handsome woman. She kind of reminds me of Mrs. Trenchbull. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my God. She's broad-shouldered and has a, a mustache that would kill. Frizzy, wild-ass bun. Yep. She was raised with strict old-world values that her father didn't hesitate to reinforce with regular beatings. She raised Ed and his brother Henry under a religious and domineering regime much like her upbringing. She was disgusted with the flagrant immorality of the world Their father, George, was orphaned at the young age of three after his parents and his older sister were caught in a flash flood in the Mississippi River and all three drowned. His grandparents on his mother's side took him in. They were stern Scottish immigrants who lived on a farm close by. He was an alcoholic, George was, who was verbally abusive towards Ed and his family. George had trouble holding a job because of his love for alcohol. He'd gone from insurance sales, uh, he was a blacksmith, a tanner, a carpenter, a city, he worked at a city power plant. He A jack of all trades. Yeah, he worked on the railroads. They owned a grocery store at one point. Um, Augusta was in charge of the household, however. She spoke down to George, called him good for nothing, a lazy dog, among other awful things. When she realized just how much of his money went to getting drunk at the local taverns, she grew even angrier with George. Well, she That just sounds like a very healthy relationship. Super healthy. George responded to Augusta's hatred towards him by turning more inward and silent and just kind of like meek and whatnot. Taking it. Yeah, he basically just like grinned and bared it. On occasion, when George would stumble home from the local bar and be greeted by Augusta's harsh words, he would lash out and hit Augusta. I I'd read it was more like he flailed at her. Yeah, like he open like, hand hit her. Yeah, like uh, he would beat her down to where she would be on her hands and knees praying to God for her husband's death. Once again, key sign of a healthy relationship for sure. Augusta's deep need for a child outweighed her hatred for her husband. Augusta thought that she would be happier if she had a child, and shortly after, she gave birth to a baby boy. So, I just have to say this. If he was that big of a drunk, because, look, I've been infected with the whiskey's dick. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes... You just can't get it up. And if he's drinking that much all the time, I'm willing to bet. What you do, like tape a fucking popsicle stick to it to keep it up? 
like that sounds painful. She like artificially inseminate herself like a cow or something. I don't know. I wasn't there. I'm I'm just saying like maybe she caught him on a good day. I don't know. Maybe she said if you don't come home pissed drunk, she, I'll maybe, fuck you. Maybe she held him down that and just sounds took more accurate. I think she may have just held him down and took it. Just took it right from him. How? It would be like mushing. Well, I mean, if she caught him in the morning. That yeah. is the difference between jelly and jam. I just got that visual. I'm disgusted. Uh, and aroused. <laughs> I'm, I'm just... I do like jelly. <laughs> I don't know why I just got the picture of her just jamming that limp noodle inside of her. That would be jelly. Yeah. Or is it jam? We don't know. We'll never know. Just mashing it into her. Just mash it. Just mash it in there. Gross. So Henry Gein was born on January 17th, 1902. And as Henry grew from a baby to a young child, Augusta realized that she was still unhappy and concluded that it was because she was surrounded with men and blamed her unhappiness on the entire male population. It's not misplaced aggression at all. Probably not. Mm-mm. Oh, dear God. <laughs> he doesn't Wait. sound like a very, you know, great catch, so I, no. I can understand her. Pers- kind of a little bit of a pussy. Which is probably why she enjoyed dominating him. At all times, because it sounds like she's a dominating personality type. Oh, yeah. She definitely kind of... It's her way or the fucking highway. Yeah, she kind of took after her father in those ways. A little over four years later, the still miserable Augusta thought that if she had a baby girl, her life would be different and more satisfying. Augusta desperately dreamed of having a girl. And in a weird way, she kind of did. Yeah. In in her own way, sort of. Uh, however, when her second son, Edward Gein, was born, Augusta was a little sad to know, because like, they didn't have... Did they have ultrasounds back then? No. I don't think so. No, I think you just figured out what it was Kinda when like it came out. See? Yeah. So when Edward was placed into her arms... Um, she said, God damn it, he's got a dick. She made a vow... That he wouldn't turn out like the rest of these men, and she would see to that. Which I guess you could say she succeeded in a weird way. In a roundabout way, she got her wish. He did not turn like out like most men. No. No, he didn't. Nope. Mm-mm. Oftentimes, Augusta would baby Ed, and because of this, he became overly sensitive and very emotional. Can't relate. But Augusta wasn't the only one with favorites. Ed favored his mother not over not only anyone in his family, but over anyone else in the world. Weird energy, but okay. He was the stereotypicals mama's boy. You know, stereotypical mama's boy. Yeah. We don't love mama's boy. Ed- I, lo- I love my mom. I-, I love him. Are you joking? We could, I could write a book on that. <laughs> I'm not going to. Look, man. I'm not doing Ed Gein things here. I just have a very healthy relationship with my mother. 
The only reason why I'm number one is because I fuck him and I'm we're married. That's why I'm number one. I wasn't number one before. Well, you were you're also one of those goddamn evil harlots that Augusta was talking about all the time. Sometimes so. harlots got a harlot. Yeah, you know. Do you, do what you gotta do. Let your freak flag fly. Ed viewed his mother as a pure goddess and worshipped everything she said. Well, I, that's not true for me. So, Well, that's what I'm talking about. That, you call your mom a dumb bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, you dumb bitch. You say it in a joking manner. Yeah, I'm, I'm very joking with my mom, but yeah. Ed would later describe an early memory from his childhood of when he was standing at the top of the basement stairs in his house and feeling something that resembled a push, causing him to almost fall down the stairs. He remembers that his mother was in the kitchen at that time, and she was the only one who prevented him from falling. In his eyes, she said that in his eyes, she had saved him. From falling down the stairs, he called her a saint for doing such a deed. In my mind, I'm like, I bet she tried to push him down the stairs herself. Maybe. Maybe when, he had a moment of remorse. Grabbed him. When Ed was eight years old, he hadn't listened to his parents' forbidden rules about entering the slaughter shed behind the house. So this was like near their grocery store, too. Yeah. So they would slaughter the animals in the slaughter shed and then sell the meat at the grocery store. Yeah, it was like a little shed with no windows and it was mm-hmm. kind of run down. And the one rule that they had. Don't fucking look in it. Don't go in there. Yeah. Curiosity got the best of him. Curiosity killed the cat. Yep. Satisfaction brought him back. Oh, well. Mm. Funny how you phrase that. <laughs> He had snuck in one afternoon to find his mother and father covered from head to toe in blood with a pig carcass hung upside down. He then watched his mother slice the pig open right down the center and witnessed the guts come fall tumbling out, we'll call it. He then watched uh, and stared in astonishment. It was at that time that he experienced his first sexual release. Those are his words. Yeah. He saw his mother take a huge dominating role and saw the kind of power that women had. What Ed saw his mother do to the pig was exactly what he did to the victims that he murdered. He had experienced pleasure in what he saw her doing, so he committed the act himself. Augusta taught the boys that the world was full of evil and that women, except for her, are, quote, vessels of sin and alcohol and immorality were the instruments of the devil. She set aside time every afternoon to read the Bible verses to the boys, mainly from the Old Testament and Revelation about death, murder, and divine retribution. Yeah, the fire and brimstone shit. Right. Southern Baptist shit. Which she wasn't even close to, but... No, but for reference. Yeah. She referenced the Bible verses as proof to show that what she was saying were God's words and therefore the right way of living. Augusta dictated the lives of her sons by isolating them. 
Augusta and George moved the boys from lacrosse, which she called a, quote, sinkhole of filth, to Plainfield on a 63-acre farm in 1915. But on the outskirts of town, because she believed that living in the town would corrupt Ed and Henry. By doing this, she had control of the interaction between her sons and the rest of the world. This isolation technique was effective until the boys became of age to attend school. Ed only ever left his home to go to school, but failed to form any real friendships or connections with the other students. They remembered him as socially awkward and prone to odd and unexplainable bouts of laughter. He said that he would be laughing at the jokes going on inside his head. He reminds me of Simple Jack from Tropic Thunder. A little bit. I don't know who that is. You've never seen Tropic Thunder? No. What the fuck is wrong with you? A lot. It's like one of our favorite movies. It's a masterpiece. It really is. Um, if, if you know who I'm talking about, listeners, you'll get that and just... Envision Simple Jack as Ed Gein, and it's just so perfect. Because he was he was he was a little slow. Like I mean, it's noted he was very simple, kind of kind of slow on the uptick, mild mannered. Yeah. So as if the random bouts of laughter wasn't enough material for the bullies, his lazy eye and speech impediment made him an even bigger target for bullies. Ed didn't have many friends, if at all, during school. At any time, he talked about a friend or mentioned other kids from school. Augusta would shut that down real fast. Another movie reference. Bobby Boucher's mom from The Waterboy. Ah, we had the headaches! (laughs) Foosball is the devil, Bobby Boucher. Mama said... Yeah, yeah, actually, I take back the simple Jack. He's more like Bobby Boucher from The Water Boy. But more murdery. Who's his Vicky Valancourt? Uh, a corpse. Um, <clears throat> all, all of them. Actually, Augusta. He did. Are like- you call? Why are you? Why are you calling her Augusta? Augusta. <laughs> he's he's really taking in that full mother of Bobby Boucher. Okay, so Augusta told Ed that she didn't want friends bringing sin into their lives. Ed loved his mother despite all of her rules, we'll call them. He took in all of her teachings of the world and also took on her opinions of society. He would say that his mother was his first love and his best friend. See, Vicky Valancourt. Henry did stand up to Augusta every now and then uh, around Ed, but Ed never did. Augusta would verbally abuse her sons by telling them that they were going to turn out just like their alcoholic father, who was a loser and couldn't keep a job. This overbearing, this overbearing personality stunted Ed's psychological growth and turned a shy boy into a sexually confused, women-like young man who was determined to remain a virgin due to his devotion to his mother. Yeah, both of the Gein children never married. 
Well, maybe not. Henry might have. No, he didn't marry. He had a girlfriend, but well, he never married. Well, we don't know that. There's no. There's nothing saying that they didn't. Well, he dated a girl. Well, we'll yeah. get to that. Yeah, we'll, but, we'll get to that. Um, and the Gein family tree kind of dies right here. Mm-hmm. As Henry entered adulthood. He began to stray away from his mother's views on the world. Ed was mortified that his brother didn't see things the way his mother, their mother did. In 1940, George dies of heart failure, presumably from his alcohol intake. So Henry and Ed had to take on odd jobs around town to help offset living expenses. The Gein boys were thought of as reliable and honest by the community. While both worked as handymen, Ed also frequently babysat for some neighbors. Which, I don't know why you'd let the slow guy in town watch your kids. That seems like a recipe for fucking disaster. But he was great around kids. That's that's the wild thing. Like, there was never any issues. Mm-mm. He wasn't interested in kids. No. In a sexual way. He enjoyed babysitting, seeming to relate more easily to children than adults. Henry then began dating a divorced single mother with two kids and planned on moving in together. And Henry was pretty worried about Ed. He was always stuck at home and obsessed with their mom. He, anytime he, Henry, spoke ill of their mother around Ed, around Ed he would get really upset with Henry. Like, kind of huff and puff and... Yeah, like, get really defensive and whatnot. Oh, because he didn't like anybody talking bad about his mama. No. Which, I I mean, same. You want to talk shit about my mom? I'll throw hands. Yeah, but if it's, like, a conversation, like, you're having with your brother, like, that's a different thing. Right. And, And realistically, Henry wasn't probably talking out of school either. He was just like... I wish you'd get away from her, you know. Right, it's probably it was like out of a place of concern. And right. he was like, You're trying to separate me from mama. On May sixteenth, nineteen forty four, Ed and Henry went out to the fields to burn away some marsh vegetation. And as they worked, all of a sudden the fire got out of control. The fire department was called and when they arrived, Ed told them that Henry had gone missing. Ed was, however, able to lead first responders to his brother's body, which was found face down in a marsh. It was later revealed that he died from asphyxiation, even though there was bruising on his head. What's crazy, though, is like there was a fire Mm -hmm. and he was able to lead them right to the body. This was like after the fire had been put out. Yeah, but what I'm saying is like. Yeah, he was able to be like, hey, I think he's over here. Yeah, they're like, yeah, that, there, there he is right there. Yeah. Suspicious. It was a tragic accident that had fallen on the Gein household. Or so it seemed. But accident or not, Henry's passing meant that Ed and Augusta had the farmhouse to themselves. Which Ag- is exactly what Augusta wanted. Yeah, Augusta. Or as I like to call her, Augusta. The mother from hell. Yeah, she was that. Like, I feel honestly like she makes Ed Kemper's mother look like a fucking saint. I thought the same thing. 
Like she is a this woman is a demon. Yeah, she is something else. Augusta had a paralyzing stroke shortly after Henry's death, and Ed devoted himself to taking care of her. After Augusta suffered her first stroke and needed to be nursed back to health, Ed spent every minute by her side, nursing her back to health. On days when Augusta would feel her strength and independence returning, she'd become mean and lash out at Ed, continuing to try to control her son, but not praising him for his loyalty, of course. Oh, God, no. Because why would you? No. Why would you need to do something like that? Sometime in 1945, Ed later recounted, he and his mother visited a man named Smith, who lived nearby, to purchase straw. According to Ed, Augusta witnessed Smith beating a dog. That's unfortunate. A woman inside the Smith home came outside and yelled at him to stop, but Smith beat the dog to death. Oh, man. Terrible. That's, That's sad. Augusta yeah, it's was, not good. Yeah. Like, what's it's it's just crazy. Like this was a trigger event for for her. Mm-hmm. Augusta was extremely upset by this scene. However, what bothered her did not appear to be the brutality towards the dog, but rather the presence of the woman. Augusta told Ed that the woman was not married to Smith and so had no business being there and angrily called her Smith's harlot. She had a second... God damn, dude. Like, what the fuck? Like, the dog getting beaten to death isn't even registering for her as fucked up. It's the fact that he, like, had some girl over at his house. Like, look, I've been caught blocked by the animals here before. But I haven't had the urge to go beat the shit out of one. No. Like, Lucy and Salem are the biggest cock blocks <laughs> on the planet. I still love them. Of course. But the fact that Augusta, as I will call her, fucking shows up to this guy's house trying to, all stroked out, drooling on herself, trying to buy straw. And the guy's beating a dog to death. Doesn't intervene with the dog thing. No. Freaks the fuck out about the girl being there. It's just batshit well, fucking crazy. Well, she hated crazy. women. And men. She hated everybody. She truly hated everyone in the world except Ed. Yeah. And, and kind of hated him. Yeah. But she didn't hate herself. She was a saint. Of course. She had a second stroke soon after, and her health deteriorated rapidly. She died on December 29th, 1945, at the age of 67. Ed was devastated by her death. In the words of the author Harold Schechter, he had, quote, lost his only friend and one true love, and he was absolutely alone in the world. So Ed was the one that said that because somebody asked him, he's like, somebody asked him a question. He's like, yeah, she's gone. And then he said, I'm, I'm truly alone. That's so sad. Yeah, it really makes you feel bad for Ed Gein. In this episode. Well, she yeah, made like, him like that, though. Yeah, she, she, like, forced him into isolation to where he didn't have anybody. No, he, he is truly, uh, like, it dawned on him in that moment at the funeral that he is truly alone in this world. Mm-hmm. He has no one left. He has That's no so family, sad. no friends. He's just existing. 
That's so sad. With no purpose. No. He's got no, I mean, he's got basic education, but like, he's got a farm. And probably no clue how to maintain it. No. We'll, we will find that out later, but like, damn. Like, she did not prepare him. And he's in his 40s at this time. Yeah. So he is a full grown man and he has no clue how to take care of himself. 1945. Yes, he was almost 40. Yeah. So he is literally middle aged at this point. Yeah. And no clue in the world how to fucking do anything for himself. Literally none. I, I think he can drive and that's and do like menial tasks. And that's really it. Mm-hmm. So, and we'll see in the next episode, he, he becomes very skilled, very quickly with certain things. Does it, we're calling it skilled. He's really good at arts and crafts. He's a DIY king. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> home makeover from hell. Oh my god! He was. He needs his own show on like the home home and garden network. HGTV. I was thinking the. Uh, Here's how we make an arm wreath. Just like doing upholstery work. It's the forbidden. Stop, Portia, stop. God, everybody knows the story. No, well, people didn't know who fucking Jeffrey Dahmer was, so. That's that's so sad. It is very sad. I'm, I'm very disappointed that none of you know. Well, a ton of people know that listen to this show. We've got some uh, some diehard serial killer fans that listen to us. Which, by the way, I'm sure you guys are are eating good right now with uh, this this summer of slaughter series. We've had some deep cuts and some real fun ones. And it's been a blast recording this, uh, like this summer of slaughter in particular. I like the, the gilded age of serial killers we've covered. The lineup. The lineup I still think my our first one was my favorite. Well, we didn't have like a direct theme. It was just like, it was more like summertime activities where a bunch of people fucking died. I know. I loved it. It was good. It was. It was good. You ruined a lot of summertime activities for all of us. Camping, yeah. barbecuing. President ruined pools. Yeah, for I, us. I literally tried. Well, if I'd had um, what what oh fuck, what was his name? I can't remember. We covered him last summer. He was the guy that killed people in his pool. Oh, her bar mouth. Yeah, her yeah. bar bow mouth. Are you are you pulling an Augusta here and having a stroke? Fuck you, Eric. Herb Baumeister. That was it. Yeah. yeah, if I'd if I'd had him on my radar during our first summer slaughter, I would have covered him. I knew who he was. He wasn't on my he wasn't on my radar for the list though. I probably would have uh, done something different. But guys, thank you for all the love this summer of slaughter. Um, Christian, if you would do your duty and drop the socials. Haha, <laughs> you said duty. Uh. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad that we're ending with this one because this yeah, is... Yeah, this is a good one. This is a personal favorite. 
Texas Chainsaw Massacre is up there of my favorite horror slasher and movies. Silence of the Lambs is uh, one of my there. personal favorites. Actually, there's a lot of them. There's a uh, I quote, Psycho. I quote uh, Silence of the Lambs all the fucking time. Yes, you do. You did at least twice in this episode. <laughs> Hello, Clarice. Oh no, no, no. it's now it's not up. it's not the Hannibal Lecter shit that I quote. It's uh, Ted Levine doing Buffalo Bill, but he's he's a great actor. Well, I just love that movie. If you would like to continue on with us on this wonderful journey and stick around with us for part two, make sure you guys are following and downloading the show because that is the only way you're really gonna get caught up. Um, we have done a lot this summer, so if you're behind and you're all the way back in April, who you've lost a lot of stuff. So you need to put those auto downloads on and make sure that you have them on because sometimes they turn off, don't they? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. After a certain amount of time. So yep. make sure you guys have your auto downloads on so that way when you have a big trip coming up or if you've got a lot to do and you just want to blitz through a bunch of episodes, it makes it a lot easier than having to sit there and wait for them to download. Um, make sure you guys are following us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and make sure you guys leave us a review. We do read them. We do take them into account and we do like hearing your feedback, good, bad, ugly, whatever. Um, and we love you guys. All right. Well, we'll see you next week and stay creepy and spooky and stay safe.